I'm Stanley Leong with Chu Weilin, and we're excited about this next conversation here on CNA 938 because our guest isn't just a techie, he is a successful entrepreneur and an experienced arts and design lecturer. So he's got pearls of wisdom drawn from real life experiences on what the entrepreneurial mindset should entail. Well, welcome to our program. I'm Stanley Leong with Chu Weilin. So is having fire in your belly enough to power you towards starting a business? More importantly, can it sustain your operations? And what has our guest learned from the University of Hard Knocks about entrepreneurship that schools will never be able to teach? Well, we pose these questions to award-winning tech entrepreneur, startup consultant, and educator, Han Fei. That's right. Han is founder and managing director of Fay and Partners, a boutique agility consultancy that inspires companies to transform their processes in line with novel work methodologies and technological advancements. And that involves deep tech, big data, automation. He's also the co-founder of AMY or Amy.ai, uh, which is an AI-driven voice and text chatbot in the FNB space. So it's a warm welcome, Han. Thanks for joining us today on CNA 938. Hi, uh, hi Stanley. Hi, Wilin. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to have this platform to you know, share some of my knowledge with uh, everyone. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're excited to jump into a conversation right now, Han. Now, what's broadly different about the business climate of today as compared to decades past? I mean, was running a stable ship on an even keel easier to do back then than it is right now? Okay, so uh, to answer this question, we have to look at the last decade of uh, what we call technology uh, and innovation, right? So we have seen exponential rise in how technology has accelerated. Uh, firstly, by the smartphone, it has changed, you know, the way consumers uh, perceive or you know relate to products and services. And I think this disruptive uh, decade uh, with such fast technology growth has really changed uh, the way people do business. Uh, it's no longer just transactional based, but it's really about how to reach the biggest amount of consumers uh, with the least amount of resources. And I think uh, this has created, you know, uh, waves that has disrupted and also overthrown many people who are on ships that are not agile enough. And what do you think is the greatest disruptor to businesses today, apart from the pandemic? Okay, so pandemic being one of them, uh, like I mentioned in the previous uh, statement, it's that technology has shifted a lot of the way consumers behave. And uh, I give you a good uh, case study. Uh, you know, we, we all use a smartphone now, nowadays. And uh, back then in the 1990s, uh, Nokia was a very famous brand, right? So what happened was when Apple launched the iPhone, uh, Nokia management uh, was stuck in this uh, crisis mode. So when you're in crisis mode, you tend to react rather than preact, right? So, you know, we, we talk a lot about how to look at uh, transforming businesses. But the key point here is not to react, but rather to be pre preemptive, right? So see what are the trends coming, uh, what disruptions are happening in the next five to 10 years and act on that before the competitors do. And I think moving fast is something that, you know, big organizations uh, are not doing uh, quick enough. Mm. And the other company that I can think of is Kodak, where they used to just rely on films, um, which you had to develop in the, in the dark room. Uh, they too went the way of the dinosaurs. Yes, yes, exactly. So Kodak was very successful actually uh, in, in the uh, early part of uh, photography, right? Uh, but when smartphone came about, uh, not only that, even things like digital cameras, uh, Kodak was still very slow to adapt, you know? They were still stuck in that kind of old film camera style. So the, the problem here is that a lot of large organizations tend to go into a comfort zone, 
when they have a, a successful business model and a product market fit, they just cruise along uh, as they get bigger and bigger. And of course, as you, has, as you have access to resources, you tend to uh, you know, keep the status quo. So what I'm proposing here is that instead of keeping the status quo, we have to constantly innovate and reinvent ourselves you know, in, in this uh, era of disruption. But how do you avoid you know, that scenario of being a frog in boiling water where the water temperature is increasing, but you still aren't aware that you're going to be boiled alive? Yeah, so if I put it in very practical terms, right, I, I would uh, give this example. Uh, in a very big uh, multinational corporation, for example, uh, there is a very hierarchy. Uh, there is a strong hierarchy, right? So top management would give uh, instruction to the uh, middle managers or even to the executives uh, to execute a certain kind of uh, strategy on the, on the market. So it is very different from how startups are run. So in startups, we use uh, things like agile and scrum methodology. And using such project management methods allow us to work in different teams. And at the same time, there is no uh, hierarchy of management. So even the ground level executives can make you know, uh, on-the-spot decisions, uh, depending on mm. what they think is the right thing to do for the company. And uh, bring back my earlier point when I was talking about Nokia, right? What happened was there was a fear-based culture in the management. So a lot of executives or middle managers do not dare to, you know, give their opinion, even when they see that the market is crashing down on them. So because of that, the company is not able to adapt and it's not agile. So we, we need to have this kind of startup mentality as individuals, as SMEs, you know, as M MNCs, it, it's very critical in this era. Right. You talked about the need to keep innovating. Don't just react, pre-act, move fast, stay agile, and don't stay in one's comfort zone. Um, is there anything else that's uh, required for this entrepreneurial mindset? Yes. So uh, I, I like to give these three points. And these three points is about how uh, all of us, even the layperson, or even any professional in any industry, we can use startup mindset in, to, in order to improve ourselves. And I start off with a startup term I call pivoting. So in pivoting, what we do in startups is if we find that a product market fit for our idea doesn't work, we come out with another solution or idea uh, that is serving the same market but doing it in a different way. So pivoting can be related to you know, our real, real world or real life, uh, for example, by being able to be adaptable, right? So pivoting means adaptability. Can we be uh, okay and comfortable in very ambiguous situations and slowly figure our way out? Uh, my second point uh, is what I call grit. So grit is a term we often use in startups to describe founders who uh, you know, have no fear of failure. And having no fear of failure you know, in our daily lives is very important because oftentimes success comes after multiple failures and we need to have that stamina to you know, proceed and grow ourselves uh, you know, through learning from our mistakes. And last but not least is a very popular term in tech startups called optimization. And optimization, basically, it's about uh, achieving the most with the least amount of resources. And optimization can be related in our lives as what I call self-improvement and also what the government has been uh, telling us to upskill and reskill. So being able to learn new skills, being able to move across different verticals, this would give us the most opportunity in this disruptive era, not only as businesses, but also as individuals.
All right, pivoting, grit, and optimization. You talk about how even the big companies, the MNCs, need to sort of have a, a, a startup culture. But uh, given the MNCs, you know, they have so much um, you know, more hierarchy and, and levels and layers as compared to a startup structure, which is you know, pretty much almost flat uh, in that sense. How would a bigger, larger MNC type corporation be able to work like a startup? Yeah, so this is actually one of the uh, greatest management challenges in, 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 this, uh, in this time and age. Uh, how a lot of companies have tried to do it is they have uh, Agile or Scrum trained uh, project managers to take charge of particular projects uh, within certain verticals. So if you look at uh, tech-based companies, usually they have a team doing what we call DevOps, developmental operations. And DevOps are actually uh, engineering teams that are led by a project manager who is well-versed in things like Agile and Scrum. So they can actually uh, do uh, tests and iterations. In, in startup, we call this uh, a minimum viable product. So it's an MVP. Uh, in mm. this sense, uh, we create an idea and we launch a very basic version of it. And this can be done in, in these uh, you know, small micro teams within MNCs. And these small teams within MNCs should be run like startups because then it gives them the room to iterate, test and fail and they take that failure and remake it into an even better product. This is Money Mind on CNA 938, and we are speaking with tech entrepreneur, startup consultant, and educator Han Fei about the entrepreneurial mindset. Now, apart from being a design research lecturer, you're also a tech entrepreneur, and you have a few businesses as well. Looking back, what do you think are some things that you have learned uh, by being on the job, which, you know, going through courses and and, and other uh, educational academic subjects could never teach you quite as well. Okay, so just to bring uh, the timeline back a bit, I started my first startup uh, when I was doing research at uh, NTU. Uh, what happened was my research, I wanted to bring it into the real world and test it in the market. And hence, I created my first startup. As a student founder, I found uh, a lot of difficulty or rather I underestimated the difficulty, you know, uh, building a startup requires. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So uh, a lot of these mistakes could have been avoided, but I believe that uh, this is what we call the school of hard knocks. So in the startup world, uh, running a startup yourself teaches you uh, more than what an ed education could, right? So in my time, uh, lecturing uh, entrepreneurship for uh, art students in, in particular, I realized that a lot of students uh, could understand the theory of it, but in, in the real world, when you're running a startup, when you talk to investors, when you talk to partners, when you're trying to get your product out there, there's a lot of uh, ambiguity, right? So we need to be able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Uh, that's the easiest way to put it. And I don't think you can learn that in an academic setting. And that is something that you need to you know, experience by going through trials and tribulations. Yeah, I have come across, you know, many who haven't even graduated from university um, and already have been delving into, you know, having their own startup, um, you know, venture on the sides kind of thing uh, with school backing and support. Would that, do you think, be the best time to really get your feet wet um, rather than to wait till you graduate and then come out and try to do something grand and big? Yes, absolutely. So uh, my firm, Fair and Partners, we also provide pro bono mentorship to a lot of youth founders. Because I strongly believe uh, that in order for our country to become uh, or competitive you know, in this disruptive age, we need more entrepreneurs. We need more people with creative, innovative ideas that are willing to test the, the seas, right? So it is the best time 
it, when you're out of fresh out of university because you're still young, you may not have a family yet, you may not have a lot of obligations. I think this is the best time as any to come out and you know take some risk because you know we, without risk there isn't any rewards. And also as an entrepreneur, you get to contribute back to the society by creating more jobs, by improving the GDP. And I think we need a strong base of uh, you know, good and successful startups so that you know, we can grow. Uh, and even because we are in a globalized world now, you know, we are competing with the tech upstarts in, in the Chinese market, uh, in Silicon Valley. So to, to be competitive, we need to have this startup culture basically. So yes, I believe so. And what are your observations on how young people today in Singapore are taking to entrepreneurship? Over the last years, we have very strong support from the government bodies, especially Enterprise Singapore. Uh, they do provide uh, grants for first-time founders. And I think this is a very, very good uh, you know, way to get people to you know, dip their feet in the water and get a taste for the uh, startup life. I always say that the startup life is uh, almost uh, addictive. Once you start building your own uh, companies with your own visions and ideas, you, know, you, start, you start to really enjoy it. And I think passion is really something critical for any entrepreneur. Because without passion, you don't have that stamina to carry on despite failure. You know? And my earlier point is about grit, right? So grit is about uh, persevering despite multiple failures. And I think what keeps you going, what stamina is, is basically passion. So who would you say, Han, would be uh, most befitting of becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, do you need certain qualities? Do you need certain skill sets to be able to uh, be a successful one with grit and, and, and you know, being able to be ad adaptable as well to situations and circumstances um, like you mentioned earlier? I think the most critical thing for any would-be entrepreneur is, you know, having this spirit of learning. So uh, having this idea that you never have all the information that you have, uh, that you constantly want to upgrade and improve yourself, uh, that you're willing to go above and beyond you know, your current knowledge uh, to acquire uh, new knowledge or to acquire uh, or to experience things that you haven't experienced before. Uh, I would frame that up in one word, which is curiosity. If you're somebody that is very curious uh, about how things work, about why things work the way they do, uh, building a startup is the best way to test your ideas in the world, in the commercial markets, and you know, actually make an impact and a difference to millions of lives around the world. But this trait of, uh, or, or this ability to have grit, do you think it's something that some people just have in them, or do you think it can be developed? So this is also a point of uh, something that I've been researching, uh, you know, at least for the last uh, two years. It's about what makes somebody an entrepreneur, what gives them this kind of uh, characteristics, uh, what gives them this kind of, uh, you know, traits. So it, I, I would say a large part of it comes down to the culture. You know, there's a reason that uh, certain countries produce a lot of uh, top startups, you know, that are even in the Fortune 500. So the point here is that our culture uh, also contributes a lot to how an individual develops in terms of their traits, whether it's suitable for entrepreneurship. A very good example is about risk-taking. So I feel that in Singapore, we have to be more uh, risk-taking rather than risk-averse. And risk-averseness comes about when you have a very structured, uh, for example, educational system. That creates a sort of uh, averseness to ambiguity, right? Because we need to operate in very ambiguous situations. If we have a life that is too structured, it takes away from our you know, capacity to take more risk. And I think over a period of time, 
as society embraces and destigmatizes failure, you know, we will see more and more uh, youths coming out and uh, willing, be willing to take the risk, uh, even in the face of adversity or failure, uh, because the rewards are worth it. Yeah, um, but when, when would you say that, you know, having that grit and, and risk-taking, uh, you know, comes to a certain point where enough is enough, that person has driven himself into the ground and, and really has, you know, almost lost all, all uh, excitement for, for wanting to be an entrepreneur just because things are not working and maybe uh, they're suffering from, a, a, you know, psychological, emotional um, um, distress in, in that sense. When should we actually say, okay, it's enough, enough is enough, you know, before we push ourselves right to the edge uh, and a point of no return? Yeah, so, you know, in, in the startup world, it's very common for, for a lot of uh, founders to get burnt out. And oftentimes, as a founder, you do feel very alone because you're facing a lot of uh, situations uh, that are against you. And it, it is so important that we have a very strong community of founders, uh, meaning people that are also uh, doing startups because, uh, you know, you can relate to each other. And I think this whole idea of, uh, you know, being strong and, and having to put up this, this front of, you know, being... Uh, a successful entrepreneur should be destigmatized through community, right? So not only the larger uh, country as a community, but even your smaller communities, right? Like uh, a community of founders uh, that can share issues or problems or emotions with one another. I think being upfront with yourself and uh, your limitations uh, and having that humility, you know, to accept advice from others is very, very critical. And that's also why it's important we surround ourselves with uh, friends that understand our journey, uh, even our investors that come into our companies can also act as our guides. And, you know, it's very important to have strong mentors as well. And that's why I also believe in giving back by being a youth mentor. Mm. Yeah, strong mentors and, and networking uh, really do form a very good support structure as well. How, how would you assess and rate the current ecosystem that we have for entrepreneurs to thrive uh, in our environment? Uh, we have a very supportive government that wants to also build up a very strong startup culture here. Uh, the issue is that startup culture itself is not something that can be built up, you know, through just grants. Uh, it is something that comes from a very early education uh, where you have to have this spirit of uh, innovation and risk-taking. And it's not something that can be created uh, in a very short amount of time. I would say it takes decades to, you know, uh, totally have a society uh, that is very startup-driven. Uh, so I think we are moving in the right direction. I believe in the next five to 10 years, we are going to see a very, very strong startup culture. And we may even see uh, a couple of our startups uh, going into the Fortune 500. Excellent. Uh, very promising uh, future that you have projected and we hope that to happen as well. Han Fei is founder and managing director of Boutique Agility Consultancy, Fei and Partners. You can visit them on their website, feiandpartners.com, spelled P-H-A-Y, the letter N, partners.com. Han, thank you for joining us today on Money Mind. Thank you, Stanley and Weilin. It's a pleasure.